0: Patriots Monday and Friday, 93.7 WE fm and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app.
1: This hour of the Rich Keef Show is brought to you by East Coast Metal Roofing. Act now. Save 10% during their fall into savings program.
2: though it's the Rich Keefe show here we go, you're now rocking with the rich key show on your radio. To hear the chronicles from a topical, comical, and knowledgeable. Boston sports talker, dropping in hotter than a tropical climate. Breaking news, he supplies it. And you want the truth? Scoop's key for find it. Scoops. He's talking about all the sports. And he's also a hashtag dork And the father of two sweet daughters, the leader of your squad for you, evening marauders and night commuters. Tune in and sit tight. Six to ten, more like six. 6 to midnight, Al, the mic's hot on the Night's Watch crew, Celtics, Bruins, Pats, and Red Sox too, doing this is the Rich Keith Project, now we've got podcasts and Twitch stream content, KWFE on WEEI, it's the Rich Keith Show, so here's your guy. White will inbound, out of timeouts, gotta get it in. Throws it to Porzingis, thought about the three, pumps it, shoots it, missed it, left it short, and beat the rebound. No foul. No, he wasn't, and he wasn't on the line. That's the game. Celtics got a great look out of that play. The Sixers survive. The Celtics erased almost a 14-point deficit in just over two minutes. They come up just one shot short. In that final play, a lot of misdirection going on know who they were trying to to get here but good skip pass over to porzingis little show mm, just was short with it and, and be close to that line but himself inbounds and that's a sixer win that's what it sounded like last night as the celtics lose their second straight falling to the 76ers 106-103 welcome to the rich Keith show on a thursday night Weeis we Take you up until 7 30. got a big Thursday night football game coming up right here on WEEI. It is the Carolina Panthers and the Chicago Bears. But I think a lot to get to Celtics related. If you want to talk Celtics, now is the time. 617 779 7937. First off, still getting used to the new play by play guy? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the guy. Maybe he's a super nice guy. It sounds like you're. You know, you're tuning into a game on ESPN 3. They're like picking up like an out of market broadcast of the game. The Ocho. You're watching the Ocho, and they just have you know suit Suitman from Syracuse with you know former player, and then that's the game. But that's not what we're going to talk about. Although I think at some point we can. Like it's a, it's a big deal. It's a big job. I thought it was going to go to Grandy, but that was me. And so uh, they went with this guy, and still getting used to it, right? And so you just you heard him these last three games because of the road trip with uh, Brooklyn, Minnesota, Philly, where the Celtics dropped two out of three. They're now 5-2 and two on the year after uh, starting 5-0, including a couple of just beatdowns, putting up 155 points on the Pacers. And I had started to already compare the team to 2008, the 8 Celtics, which just immediately hit the ground running. There was no, like, feeling out process. Like some of these other teams, whether it be the Phoenix Suns and their new team, although they just got Bradley Beal last night, or the Milwaukee Bucks even, you know, Lillard joining Giannis. The 08 Celtics, they didn't have any of that. They they were a wagon from the word go and you know won sixty-six games in the regular season on their way to winning the title. And I was looking this up, just double checking. I knew they started the season really well. They started 20 and 2. So if this Celtics team wants to duplicate at least regular season, what that Celtics team did, they're gonna have to go on a fifteen game winning streak starting tomorrow when they take on the Brooklyn Nets back at home. But I think it was I think it was after the third, fourth game, I was like, Yeah, man, there's kind of some similarities. Like you had you know, you got these really, really good play and then you can make the case that the Celtics, this Celtics team has a couple more guys in their prime, whereas that Celtics team, there's a little bit more urgency based on the ages of Pierce, Allen, and Garnett. But clearly it was too premature. It was a little premature to compare the two teams. But Celtics get Derek White back last night and ultimately still fall short to a, I guess you want to call them a new-look Sixers team. It's still Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is the the force on, on that squad. It's Maxi in an elevated role, and he's played really well to start the year. New coach in there, which is probably their best bet. You, you remove Doc Rivers and James Harden, you immediately have a better chance of advancing in the playoffs. Like, regular season, we'll see. Like, we'll see how much better or how much worse or how similar they end up being. But in the playoffs, it was so easy to just write off A James Harden team or a Doc Rivers coach team, but now you're like, well, maybe Philly's gonna be a little bit different. I still think, despite you know this recent hiccup, it's so early. It's Celtics Bucks. Like to me, it's Celtics Bucks. Then there's a gap, and then that's where Philly comes in. I know they're you know they've won their last six games, are undefeated at home, all that stuff. But I'm not there just yet. But the bigger issue. Let's talk about what happened with the Celtics. So Jalen Brown played terribly. Jalen Brown had one of his worst games. He had a couple of threes in the fourth quarter to kind of salvage it, but we were watching it uh, unfold last night, live on the air. And at one point, I think he had almost as many turnovers as he did points. He shot a really poor percentage. It was just kind of, he was bad. He was bad back to the same stuff where you're like, ah, can the guy dribble? Can the guy pass biggest contract in the history of the NBA? And that is going to be linked to him. Like that is right there. And the Celtics, we're in a position where they probably had to do it. Like, unless they were going to trade him for uh, Lillard, which didn't seem like it was really going to happen. I don't know who else you would have gotten for him. They were kind of put in a position where they had to do it. We went over it at the time. We went over it for like the months leading up to it. Sort of how the NBA contracts and salaries work, and this guy is up for it, and he gets it. But that doesn't mean that there isn't going to be a lot of pressure on him. It doesn't mean that the criticism is going to get uh, ramped way up the biggest contract in the history of the league and it's for a guy that will truly never be an MVP candidate. He, he just won't be. And even last year he was all NBA second team and he had a great year. Just because you're all NBA second team doesn't really mean you're a top 10 player. I get that that's you know for that season there's top 10 but I don't think he's a top 10 guy. I don't think he'll ever be a top 10 guy and he's the highest paid guy. So there is going to be sort of a look his way and are, what is he going to do? Is he, is he getting any better? Is last year, the year that he needed to hit all of the NBA to, in order to trigger the Supermax, is, are we going to look back at that as his best year ever? Or is he going to continue to improve? Like that's one thing you say about Brown. is like He has gotten better. He had a slow start as a, as a rookie second-year guy, and then he's gotten better and better and better. Is that going to plateau? I mean, if he plays like he did last year, you're in good shape. But if he starts to go back the other way, that's where it's a little bit more... Cause for concern, and how is he going to fit in with this group? Like once again, Tatum and Brown have new teammates surrounding them. They've because whether it was Danny Ainge or Brad Stevens, they're like, all right, these are the two guys, and I'm not saying they're wrong at all to build around Tatum and Brown. But it was you know Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and Kemba Walker and Malcolm Brogdon and Marcus Smart, and now it's Drew Holiday and Porzingis and Derek White. So how does Jalen Brown kind of fit in there? Because I'll tell you, Porzingis. Probably their best offensive player by far in last night's game and there's gonna be so far there's been some nights where offensively he is clearly the better option than than Jalen Brown so how is how is Jalen Brown gonna feel about that I think is gonna be uh, a pretty important question as the season goes on. I know there's been some questions about the Celtics bench and it is thin, but I don't I'm still not worried about that like I still think they lose a three point game to the 76ers and Jalen Brown was four of 13 from the floor and you know Tatum really wasn't even all that aggressive Tatum only had 16 points I know he did some other things 15 boards six assists he had three steals so Tatum had a much better all-around game than Jalen Brown did but if Brown and Tatum combined for 27 points I think it, you're kind of crazy to be like how come Luke Cornette didn't do anything more Pritchard stinks it's like yeah he kind of does I'm not bent out of shape about the uh, about the bench, at least not yet. And I think if even if you wanted to tweak it a little bit, and if you if they feel like the rotations or if the lineups need to change a little bit, you could go with uh, Derek White off the bench if you wanted to do that. You could start Horford because not every team around the league, you know, pl- starts the same guys they finish with or start the guys that get the five most minutes on the team or or anything like that, but you could tweak it if you want. I still think their six is better than anybody else's six. They're starting five is better than anybody else's five, but it's not perfect. It's not perfect. They're not big, right? You have Porzingis who's super tall, but you don't really want him guarding Joel Embiid. They clearly didn't last night. You don't you didn't have him guarding Joel Embiid. So certain matchups might be a little bit tougher for them than, than others. I mean, they basically have Tatum playing at least in the starting lineup as a power forward. And he's not, I mean, he's, Clearly a small forward. You're going with, you know, two point guards basically, and then Jalen Brown. So it is a smaller group. They're very dynamic offensively. They can be good defensively, but you run into certain matchups. I think it's going to be tough. Uh, Joel Embiid, you know, always will be a tough matchup. We'll see what happens when they go up against the Bucks and Giannis. Outside of that, though, I'm not sure anybody else really kind of scares you away. Certainly not in the uh, Eastern Conference. You can worry about Denver when you get to Denver. But in the East, I mean, I know Bam Adebayo's had some good games against the Celtics in the past. He's also completely disappeared and kind of on his own accord. So I'm not really worried about him. He's not consistent enough. And there's nobody else in the East that I'd be all that worried about. But one guy I think I might be a little worried about is the head coach, Joe Missoula. Was not my favorite last year. And I we, we talked about it every single time. You can sort of give him like the little preamble that, It was a weird situation. It was a very, very unique situation for him to get tossed in right before the season and be the team's head coach and ups and downs last year, right? Kind of flew high. He's the all-star game coach. They removed the interim tag and then things got a little bumpy and then things got a little rocky by the end of the year. Playoffs did not go the way that they wanted him to. He had issues with rotations, especially in the fourth quarter. He had issue big time issues with timeouts or lack of timeouts. And he's kind of an odd guy as well in the uh, in the postgame. Now, does that really matter in the grand scheme of things? Probably not as, as long as, you know, Tatum and Brown and all those guys buy in because last year I'm not 100% sold. Actually, I think we know that all the guys weren't, right? Marcus Smart's sitting in his chair during the timeout. Malcolm Brogdon's criticizing him in the postgame. Clearly there were issues there with, with Grant Williams, you know, Interestingly enough, all three of those guys are gone. But he had some more weird stuff again last night. I think after losses, when he's feeling the pressure, like I'm sure he is like he's weird, but he's not weird enough to ignore the the pressure that's going on. When he looks around and says, Wow, I am the least qualified guy in the whole organization to be coaching this team. I got Sam Cassell and Charles Lee and Brad Stevens and Jeff Van Gundy, all these guys have coached in the league. So much more. Now, I know he has more head coaching experience than Cassell and Lee, but still, just as far as being on an NBA bench, being in the NBA as long as those guys have, uh, Missoula doesn't have it. So I want to get to some of his weird back and forth, and maybe, I don't know, maybe people are going to defend him a little bit. I found it very strange and not helpful, is I guess how I would put it. Not helpful. Joe Mazzula, the postgame from last night. We'll get to that coming up. It's the Rich Keefe Show, solo edition, taking up until 730. So jump aboard at 617-779-7937. Right now, here's Stiz with What's Trending.
0: Now, here's What's Trending on WEEI.
1: Trending now brought to you by Awaken 180. After a two-game road trip, the Bruins home tonight at the TD Garden. They're hosting the Islanders puck drop at 7 p.m. After missing the last three games due to injury, Derek Forbore is probable to be back in the lineup tonight. Both Milan Lucic and Matt Grizzlick were taking part in this morning's morning skate as they begin to progress toward a return. Lucic hasn't played since October 21st, while Grizzlick has been out the last three games. And after having his suspension upheld by the NHL commissioner, Charlie McAvoy will serve his final game of a four-game suspension. Celtics had the chance to bring the game into overtime last night. However, with a missed three from Kristaps Porzingis, Celtics lost 103-106 to the Timberwolves. Jalen Brown struggled. He played 36 minutes, had only 11 points and four turnovers. Celtics back at it tomorrow night. They'll host the Nets tip-off at 7.30. Patriots back on the practice field today. They get ready to head over to Germany to take on the Colts. Kickoff Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Today's Patriots injury report released earlier. Trent Brown, J.C. Jackson, and Devontae Parker have been ruled out. few other players questionable. Some of those players include Christian Barmore, Jawan Bentley, and Miles Bryant. Thursday night football tonight as the 1-7 Panthers are in Chicago. They're taking on the 2-7 Bears. Kickoff at 8.15. Don't forget, you can catch that game right here on WEI. Our Westwood One coverage starts at 7:30. Awaken 180 weight loss. Learn how Awaken 180 has a 98% customer satisfaction rating. Proven results when you choose the solution for weight loss at Awaken 180. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. More Rich Keith show coming up.
0: Can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A U D A C Y. Say W E E I's a favorite and listen wherever you go. Now more of the Rich Keith Show on W E E I. Basketball, gimme, gimme, gimme the ball because I'm gonna dunk it. Basketball, gimme, gimme. Because
2: I'm gonna dunk it! Alright, back here on the Rich Keefe Show, WEI taking it up until 7.30 tonight as we have Thursday night football. Throw the records out when you have Bears and Panthers. We're begging you to throw the records out. This is a game that not only do you have to bet on it to watch it, you gotta bet a lot on it. If you bet a little, you'd probably be like, eh, I'm probably good. I'll I'll find out later. I'll look it up online. This is this is a uh, Quite a matchup that we got on It could
1: help our draft picks, though, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. no, there's reason to at least pay attention to it if you're a uh, Patriots fan. Two teams that are uh, currently one is the same record as you. One is worse than you right now. So, yeah, there's there's a lot on the line. Now, I had mentioned the uh, new play-by-play guy for the Celtics TV broadcast, and I just sort of threw out there. I'm like, I don't know if people like him or not. Uh, Hater. No, no, yeah, true, true. Maybe I am. The text line... uh, in a word, Stiz, no, they do not like him. Wow. Yeah, they do not. I'm not going to read everything they said there because it's not all appropriate. It's early yet, but I kind of agree with what a lot of people are, are said. Tough spot to be in, but don't love it. But I also don't love uh, Joe Missoula in the postgame last night. And I don't know if you guys care about this as far as do you think differently of Joe Missoula? You're like, I don't care. As long as the players like him and as long as they're winning games, we're good with it. It was sort of an interesting hire last year in a very weird spot. But then as the whole year unfolded, I don't know why they removed the interim tag when they did. And I also, to be honest, don't know why he's back. And maybe they just, they clearly like him. Like Wick and Brad Stevens really like Joe Mazzula. My first impression of him was last year. And this should have just said everything we needed. When he was chewing his gum like an absolute maniac, you knew something was up. Like like this, you gotta put this guy on like a list. He, it was the strangest thing I'd ever seen. Like he was just hammering the hell out of that gum, and now apparently he's like off the gum. And I don't know if it was because people were like, "Hey, we're kind of, it's kind of unsettling watching you chew like that," you know, during the middle of the game. And so he had some really weird exchanges last year in uh, press conferences. And you're like, whatever. I guess not everybody's the most comfortable in that. Yeah. Did you remember this? Did you remember watching him do that? No. It was insane. <laughs> You could probably look it up. I bet there's still, like, videos out there. It was wild. I was like, I, he, he thought he was kidding. You're like, no, that's just how that guy is smashing that gum. I don't know how many pieces he went through over the course of uh, a game, but it was reckless. Probably had that big league chew. That uh, big league is delicious. Yeah. The watermelon big league chew? Oof. Forget about it. It's a lot, yeah. I haven't had big league chew in a while. We should do Big League Chew Night. Maybe like every Thursday we do the show Big League Chew.
1: Now you're cooking.
2: Yeah, see, that's Now that's an you're idea. doing a radio show. That's an idea right there. Something to, something to kick around. But Missoula obviously got brought back. And not only did he get brought back, but I feel like most of the guys that called him out all got sent away. So they were sort of backing Joe Missoula. But at the same time, they brought in veteran assistants. Sam Cassell, many think should be a head coach. Charles Lee. And then you get the senior consultant in Jeff Van Gundy. Now, I think Jeff Van Gundy is the furthest away from coming back to the bench. He's been doing TV games for such a long time. I don't know if he's going to coach again, but he's at least in the organization. But here's a very odd exchange with Gary Washburn, who's covered the Celtics for a very long time with the Globe. And this is following the game last night. And One of the questions was about, you know, the number of threes. The Celtics are always going to take a million threes. It's how they go. It's what Joe Mazzula likes. Last night as a team, they were 15 of 47, so that's just under 32%. Last year, it felt like if they hit 40% of their threes, they were nearly unbeatable, and then other than that, it was kind of like 50-50, and then if you have a real bad night, they almost had no chance. They took way more threes, and they made more threes than the 76ers and ultimately still lost the game, but here's this, in my mind, bizarre exchange between Joe Missoula and Gary Washburn. Offensively, it seemed like you guys settled for a lot of threes, or it took almost 50, but is, is
3: that what I think you, 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 um, you I was just finished reading a great article that you wrote in 2016 that the Celtics shot too many threes, and they shot 42, and that was seven years ago. And we only shot five more tonight. And they lost 121 to 114, and you blame the offense, but not the defense. So like, what's your fascination with too much threes? For the last seven years? No, well, it's been seven years. 2016. But. It's 2023. You, I just read it. It was a great article. Oh, thank you. Yeah. But so, it mean, was like, are the Celtics settling for too many threes? You said that seven years ago. You're ahead of the curve. I am ahead of my <laughs> <job>. Um <laughs> Offensively. I don't think it was the third quarter, Gary. I thought it was the second quarter when we gave up the offensive rebounds in the transition. We had some sloppy play. And you go back and watch close games. They're never really lost in the fourth quarter. Sometimes they are. But you look at that run in the second quarter where we gave up like three or four straight offensive rebounds and then we didn't get matched and gave up a three. I think it was lost there. Um, But, you know, it's perspective. I thought actually this was one of our better played games from an execution and a mindset standpoint. It was a great article, though, Gary. You're welcome. Like what?
0: So, I mean,
2: is he trying to be funny? Is he just kind of strange? I mean, he's strange. Like he's he's an odd duck. Like there's no getting around that. But – he was just waiting for Washburn to ask him about threes. And then he's like, oh, like seven years ago, like not taking into account like the makeup of the team or like what the game was like or the game flow. Because Missoula would be a great baseball manager. Missoula loves the numbers. And I know it's creeped into every sport and, and more than creeped. It's like kick the door down in every sport. And I don't ignore all the numbers either. Like I'm not one of these like old school guys. Like you just roll the ball out you play the old school way. Like I get how analytics can be important. But somebody like Missoula or Heim Bloom seem like that's all they care about, and they could just—they wouldn't even need to look up at the game as long as they look down. They could watch the live box score to see what the numbers are and be like, "All right, this is going our way. This is what we need to do." And whether he really read an article from seven years ago, or he's trying to be funny and like bring up the fact that he read an article from seven years ago, so asinine to me. Like that is just so ridiculous. If so. For a guy that, I don't know, uh, could maybe be looking at the next opponent, looking on ways to help his team, coming off a loss. He kind of puts out there, like, now there's no excuse for Joe Mazzula to not have enough time to do anything. Like, he clearly has time to spare. He's looking up seven-year-old articles on a night that Gary Washburn thought that they sh- shot too many threes. And also, why does Missoula care what a beat guy thinks? Number one, that article clearly
1: got to him. Right, somebody he was handed be, it to him. He was being petty, and yep. he was waiting to call Washburn out on that. Number two, they they hooked up almost fifty threes. Some 47. nights you don't have it, right? And that, that's what They Bezula, hit
2: fifteen. Correct. That's <clears throat> that's I think the big disconnect between <clears throat> excuse me, a guy who's like obsessed with the stats, and then someone who just sort of uses them. Because there are certain nights where you don't have it. Like, Jalen Brown couldn't throw it in the ocean. Nobody else was hitting threes with any good regularity. Even, like, nobody... Uh, Hauser. Hauser was the only guy that shot a good percentage. Actually, Drew Holiday. But, like, Tatum was off. Porzingis was missing some threes. Derek White jacked out 11 threes on his own and only made three of them. So, some nights you just... You don't have it, but that doesn't happen. Like, in the world of numbers, you just got to keep shooting. Like, you got you to gotta find your percentage. And so, I just thought it was very odd in... Like he's trying to play like gotcha with a reporter. Yeah, that's what that was. Like I guess. Like, did he think that was like he like boom roasted him? That's exactly what he. Do thought. you think he? Yeah, thought, yeah. Does do you think that Joe Missoula thinks that he boom roasted Gary Washburn? And even if he did, and I don't think that he did, what does that get you? Is that a big win? You're the head coach of the Boston Celtics, and you're talking about articles from seven years ago where one guy thought you took too many threes. Like God forbid one guy think that a team that Missoula wasn't even on that staff was he I don't think so no that was forever seven years ago who was on that who was that that was a that was obviously a Brad Stevens team but I'm trying to think who was even on that team seven years ago probably like is that the Isaiah Thomas team Avery Bradley Jay Crowder like that team maybe they should cool it with the threes maybe Washburn was on it something
1: I hate the live and die by the threes thing.
2: It's so I hate it. Because when you're dying by it, it is a rough watch. It's just like, all right, here we go. And then it's a long rebound after long rebound. It just looks terrible. But they feel like they win so many games when they shoot a high percentage that they're just gonna keep they're just gonna keep launching them. But yeah, Missoula, like talk about being like real touchy about it. Like the old and I know he doesn't preach this, but I feel like he tries to be like a Bill Belichick, Craig Pop- uh, Greg Popovich without the success. And sort of be like smarmy in the in the media. And last year, remember, he'd give you nothing. And he was just, he's really kind of a, a jerk. And, uh, but doesn't have the resume that those guys have. But also, you can't be like the uh, ignore the noise or like we're focused on what we're focused on. When you're straight up telling everybody that you read an article from seven years ago. And you care so much what Washburn thinks. So now... I get the impression that Missoula spends his time, you know, looking at numbers and spreadsheets because he likes that, but also like going through what anybody has ever said about him. If he was that concerned about what it, what somebody said about the franchise seven years ago, any article or any uh, podcast about Joe Missoula, I'm sure Missoula's heard it and he's read it. He's got the Google alert. He's set ready out. to go fired up. He's, he's sitting there. Yeah. Googling his name. He's got his, his, he's searching his name on Twitter. Be like, what are they saying about me? What are they saying about me? So if you thought that was odd, and I did, he also had another back and forth with Washburn, and this one was more about defense, and they get into Tyrese Maxey in the night that he had, and maybe they were sort of different of opinion on how good Maxey was. But this is more Missoula in the postgame last night.
3: How do you stop Maxey from carving you guys up on the pick and roll, kind of being able to do what he wants? Yeah. What do you have? Uh, he had 25 points on 27 shots. That's not very efficient, I thought. It's like less than one point, 1.0 points per possession. It's less than one point per shot. So I don't think he carved us up. I thought he made some really good plays because he's a great player, but. Half, he didn't kind of have his way. He was three for 11 from three. I'm just saying, like, if you hold a really great player to less than one point per shot, took 27 shots and had 25 points, I think that's good. And we had three 25 point quarters. So if you hold a team to two 25 point quarters, you have a 69% chance of winning the game. So we held him to three 29-point quarters. So one 25-point quarter is 48.9%. Two 25-point quarters is 68%. What do you think three is? And we lost. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, the
2: second boom roast of the, uh, of the press conference. I mean, the way he adds that is just like,
3: you think you got the better of that? That's very strange to me. Two 25-point quarters is 68%. What do you think three is? And We lost. Yeah. Missoula won. Press nothing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: Take that. Missoula all over you. So he did not think Maxie was that good. He was calling out. So basically because they played really well defensively for three quarters, and whether you want to say it was defensively or just Philly didn't shoot all that well, the second quarter they gave up 39 points and the game was lost. The Celtics themselves also had a 17-point quarter, if you're going to get into that. But no, what jumped out to me in that in that whole exchange was just how quick he had all those numbers. Like it's one thing for him to say, Hey, Maxi took uh twenty-seven shots and had twenty-five points. Like if you're like, we'll kind of live with that, right? It isn't super efficient. I'm kind of on Missoula's side there. Like that is not the most efficient thing in the world. Now, sometimes like the numbers can kind of be a little misleading. I think he shot 50% in the fourth quarter, like when the game was on the line. So if you want to kind of do that part of it. Like when the Celtics are trying to chase him down, Maxie had some big plays in the fourth quarter. So it's not always, always, always just going to be about what the field goal percentage is. You'll say you miss a bunch of shots early in the first quarter, and you're just going to hold like, well, that's what he did for the game. That's what he did for the game. like, well, yeah, but when the money was on the line, how did he do? And I still think end of game, Missoula has some issues. You know, Jalen Brown called him out basically after the Minnesota game. When he said, oh, I didn't know if we had a timeout or not, you know, kind of making an excuse for his bad shot or at least bad shot selection. I feel like at the end of the Minnesota game where they lost uh, that shot he took was at the end of regulation. They ended up losing it in overtime. But yeah, it's how quick he had all those other numbers, though. It's just very strange. It is very like GM and baseball nerd like like I'm sure they have all those ready to go, but they're not the head coach or they're not the manager of the team. Oh, you hold a team to 25 points? Like, what is it again? Like, he
3: had the whole thing ready to go. Three for 11 from three. I'm just saying, like, if you hold a really great player to less than one point per shot, took 27 shots and had 25 points, I think that's good. And we had three 25-point quarters. So if you hold a team to two 25-point quarters, you have a 69% chance of winning the game. So we held them to three 29-point quarters. So one 25-point quarter is 48.9%. Two 25-point quarters is 68%. What do you think three is? And we lost. yeah
2: I mean that's like uh, Craig Breslow, I think would be excited about that whole exchange. I mean you lost yeah I think you lost me at the 49.5 percent or whatever else it was. Nerd alert. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a little hard time I'm having a little hard time with it. Ultimately though, they lose the game, and Jalen Brown had a, an absolute dud. and I wonder if the contract is going to get to him and I think going into the season, some of the big question marks around this team, at least for me were Joe Mazzulla I think that I think he had to be a, a question even though coaching is not the most important thing it's not by a long shot right the head coach in football far more important than head coach in basketball although basketball might be second like if baseball is a distant fourth i guess you're going back between hockey and basketball clearly Bruce Cassidy made a massive difference for the Golden Knights so maybe point goes to, to hockey there but basketball, I don't think it should be the most important thing in the world. Like it can hurt you, you can maybe they could lose you a couple of games, maybe at best win you a couple of games. It's probably more about you know managing the egos and things like that. But that's also gonna be something he's gonna to have to do this year. I think with Jalen Brown signing that massive contract, how does he play? Does the pressure get to him a little bit? Are there more nights like we saw last night? And how is that gonna go? And also just their their overall uh you know size and going up against a guy like Joel Embiid. So if you draw them in the playoffs, who's on Embiid, who's gonna get most of the run at Embiid, you're probably gonna to have to run a lot of different things at him. But Porzingis, tall, but I don't really I don't even know if I consider him a big. I guess you kinda of have to because he's so freaking tall, but he's not like a true big. He can block a few shots, he's seven three, but he's thin compared to some of these other bigs. And then you're basically going with a point guard and three wings for the most part. And a lot of teams do that, and I don't think there'll be really much of an issue at all against a lot of other opponents, but Philly is one that's a little bit different. Now, my question is, do you feel differently about Philly? Because I don't yet. I don't. I know they're off to a really good start, and Nick Nurse has won a title, so you feel like you have a better coach in charge, right? We're just talking about how important or not important the coach is. I think they're a little bit better suited now. They don't have to worry about James Harden, sort of the the highs and lows that come with a guy like James Harden. He's gone. And so I think Tyrese Maxey, who Missoula didn't think was super efficient, but I think Maxey is going to clearly be an all star this year and might even be sniffing around, you know, all third team, all NBA, like the way he's going. It's early. We're a week into the year. But I think he might be a little bit different. But do you really like the rest of that team? Because I still don't. We're talking about how the Celtics, like, oh, they're not deep after six. It's still six guys that you really like. Five and a half, right, if you want to count Horford as sort of that sixth guy. But Tobias Harris is their third guy. I feel like he's been their third guy for eight years, and just, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, And then they started uh, Kelly Oubre and uh, DeAnthony Melton. Like, all right. And then off the bench, you have Nick Batum and Robert Covington, Patrick Beverly, and uh, Paul Reed. So, like, I'm not freaking out about the, the Philadelphia 76ers uh, at all. Celtics have a few things that they need to clean up, and I think, I think that's fine. One thing that, in a, in a weird way, I actually think it's worse because you could say, all right, well, their two losses are both to two good teams. Minnesota started the year really well. Anthony Edwards is a stud. They, they've already beaten Denver this year. They lost to Minnesota. They lost to Philly. But in a weird way, I feel like really good teams – end up losing to, like, random bad teams along the way. Like, maybe they just didn't have it on a certain night. Maybe they played down or whatever. But when they play a really good team, they're always like, all right, we got we to gotta send a message here. Like, we need, to, we need to win that game and, you know, show them, show, show them who's, you know, the top of the standings. The two best teams they've faced so far this year, depending on how you feel about Miami, but, I mean, they're four and four to start the year. So the two best teams they've faced, they've lost. And then they've you know, taken care of business in the other five. So we'll see. They got they got Brooklyn again, a team that they beat last week by 10 points or whatever in Brooklyn. They got them tomorrow. Uh, and then I believe it's their first back-to-back, Friday, Saturday. They got Brooklyn and Toronto at the Garden. And so we'll see if they can kind of right the ship, kind of bounce back a little bit. Or also, I guess if they lose, see if Joe Mazzula's got some more material. See if he's reading some other articles. Maybe he's going to call somebody else out. Maybe B-Rob, watch out. Maybe he's going to find something that you wrote, you know, eight years ago, and he's going to call you up for something that you said. Uh, you guys can jump aboard starting Celtics here, but we will get to the Patriots, and we're only on until 7.30. So if you want to get in, you got less than an hour to do so. It's 617-779-7937. Stiz and I will pick the Thursday night game, uh, also throw a prop at you in our bet du jour coming up next year on WEI.
0: You watch the show anytime via our live stream on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash Boston And check out W-E-E-I on YouTube for our video-on-demand content updated daily. Now, more of The Rich Keefe Show on W-E-E-I. <laughs>
2: They dial up. Tatum still in the backcourt. Harris face guarding him. Brown for
0: three. Got it. Ooh, big shot.
2: Huge shot from Jalen Brown. Makes this a one-score game, and there's still a different shot clock game clock of about eight or nine seconds. A little too late for Jalen Brown last night. Again, that's the new guy. I don't know if people are people aren't really like the new guy. yet. It happens. People don't like change. I'm one of them. You don't like change. Also, tough to replace a uh, Hall of Famer. Like a legend. It's difficult to do. Just like Tom Brady, you don't want to be the guy after the guy. You want to be after, you want to be the guy, the guy after the guy after the guy. You want to be a little bit later than that. But it's still early for him as well. But uh, based on the text line, um, not fans. But time now for the bet du jour. What is that? Great question is the bet of the day where uh, on Thursday night, which today is we bet the game. Now, this is not. One for the casual fan. This is for the diehard fan tonight. You need to be a true football fan to take in the 2-7 and seven Bears hosting the 1-7 and seven Panthers. Now, the Bears own the Panthers pick. So, I mean, they just want to cruise to the end. They could potentially draft first and second, which is crazy. Oof, Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Uh, the game is in Chicago. The Bears are three-and-a-half point favorites. Uh, Andy Hart normally is in with us on Thursday. He has not picked the Thursday night game very well. He is 1-6-1 and one on Thursday night. Both Stiz and I are 5-2-1. and one. Okay. So a little bit better. I reached out to Hart before the show because I'm like, all right, I'm not going to make somebody else pick for you. You got to dig yourself out of this. So he's going Bears. He's going the Bears minus three and a half. Where are you going? Before we get to your props, Stiz, where are you going for Bears-Panthers?
1: In Chicago, I'm taking the Bears. Okay. Give me the Bears. Da Bears. Da Bears.
2: I'm going to make it. I don't like this, but I'm going to make it all three of us are going Bears. I'm going Bears as well. Let me ask you a follow-up question. Who would win an actual fight between a Bear and a Panther? A Bear all day. How many Panthers would it take to defeat a Bear?
1: At least, and I mean at least
2: three. Three Panthers could defeat one Bear? Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Because you
1: need two to kind of really dis- distract the bear, and then that other one can get him from behind.
2: Yeah, one of them's probably going to take a lot of damage. Yeah. You're going to have to sacrifice a, one of the Panthers. And then the other two can maybe cow. The Panthers are strong. That's a big wild cat. And also, I mean, brown, I'm thinking brown bear in my head. I mean, a black bear, I think you only really need two Panthers.
1: Yeah, black bear's definitely not as Black uh, bear's like aggressive. Okay, yeah, it's yeah, like I, a new I, I maybe be able to. Yeah. You could wrestle a black bear like a baby one uh yeah cub yeah like a cub you think you could wrestle a cub i'm not saying i'd win but i could
2: wrestle it i think they're pretty strong put up a
1: fight for a little while
2: Mm, they got big jaws still though big old claws on them but panthers also have claws and big teeth i think you're kind of disrespecting the panther a little bit being honest but that's not what's on uh on uh, the radio tonight it's going to be the football bears versus the football panthers And uh, may the best team win. All right, my prop, because it is such a dump of a game, I'm just going to take the under. And I know it's a really low number, 38. Or is it 38 and a half? Let me me see if I get that half point. Yep, 38 and a half is what I'm looking at here. So I will take the under 38 and a half in the big football match. Stiz? For my
1: prop, uh, Bruins at the Garden tonight hosting the Islanders. They're giving up one and a half uh, goals. I'm going to take... Uh the Bruins laying one and a half okay. plus 195.
2: Ooh. So there's some good juice on that. Good juice on the old puck line there. Because you could take them money line, but I know you like to live dangerously.
1: You like to get yeah. a little bit. You if like I'm to... in it for a penny, I'm in it for a pound.
2: Correct. I think they're minus 140 on the money line, so yeah. you probably, yeah. Where, where's the fun in that? But, uh yeah, the Bruins who uh have been rolling on the year, see if they can – uh they had their first loss in regulation on Saturday. They came back, they beat Dallas on Monday, and then they got a couple of days off now home against the Islanders. So uh yeah, the Bees have been ridiculous. More of the same like from last regular season, 10 1 and 1. They've been alternating O-Mark Swayman, O-Mark Swayman all season long. So, I mean, they've both been killing it. Like the 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 goalie stats for these guys is just filthy. So Swayman. Even more impressive. But Swayman's 6-0 and with a 1.49 goals against. Like, good lord. Save percentage of 95%. Like, Olmark looks like a bum, and he's 4-1-1 with a 2.3 goals against and a uh, 92 save percentage. So, you know, the reigning Vezina winner looks like the true back. Like, Swayman feels like the guy, but then, again, there's something weird and kind of quirky about these two. Like they love being teammates. There's no jealousy at all, and if there is, they're hiding it really well.
1: Some people hate on that hug. I love it. You like the hug?
2: I'm. I love it. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Have a hug. There. We should normalize just hugs. Like more hugs. Yeah. Normalize bro love. Bro hugs, bro goalie hugs, but I feel like to me it's it's less of uh, you know like being worried about like their competitive nature and I think they're they're embracing what they have right now, so I'm, I'm actually fine with that. It's more of if you're Don Sweeney, could you maximize your roster better by just having Swayman have a cheap backup who's like, okay, right? You don't want to bum there, but you have somebody who's like, just okay, plays 20, 30 games, 25 games, kind of gets you through, and then you can use the Olmark money somewhere else. That's probably what's best for the team, but you got to make sure you make the right move. You don't want to just throw Olmark away because right now, this every other like you have a stud in that every single game. So that's great. And then the problem is, though, so say they're two of your five best players, like the way that they've gone this year, two of the five or six best players. Same problem you're going to have last few years. You get to the playoffs and one of those guys doesn't play. Or or he does play and it's only because something happened to the other guy. Then you have either way, you have some sort of problem on your hands. So right now through 12 games, this is how they're rolling. Each have played a half dozen games on the year. And they are—they've uh, just been dominant, but I don't know. Like, well, something will something change? Yeah, Swayman's one four nine does lead the league. His save percentage leads the league. So yeah, he's he's uh, he's killing it. And I think he's tied for fourth in wins. But he's won every single game he's played. All right, you can uh, join us here. We have the final half hour of the program leading up to Thursday night football. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. At Rich Keefe Show. If you miss any of the program, you can check out the podcast on the Odyssey app uh, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just subscribe and download The Rich Keefe Show. Uh, Let's turn our attention to the New England Patriots. Our injury report is out. Some more bad news, if there couldn't be enough bad news, for the New England Patriots. Pat's Colts on Sunday. We'll get to them coming up next here on WEI.